This is Referees World with Darren Cullum and Richard Mellon. Hello again and welcome to the Referees World podcast, the monthly audio magazine which offers education and training for football referees of all levels. My name's Darren Cullum. I'm a level five referee affiliated with Somerset FA and this is PGMOL assessor and FA level four referee tutor and my mentor, Richard Mellon, also associated with the Somerset FA. Hi, Darren. Hello. You got that right. Again! How many times did you Two try? Two on the bounce. <laughs> Excellent. Brilliant. Uh, listen, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. Hopefully uh, you've been recommended to us. Uh, if that's the case, thank you for checking us out. We're online at refereesworld.co.uk, on Twitter, at refereesworld, and you can search us out on Facebook. Get involved in the conversation. Follow us, like us, be involved, be part of the refereeing community around the world, which indeed this podcast well and truly is. We've been going now for some four years. Four, four years, yeah. Four years. Celebrating four years this month. Wow. Wow. Excellent. Well, happy Absolutely. birthday, Rich. Oh, thanks. Happy, very happy birthday, birthday, Darren. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Right, okay, we like to cover... Every topic possible. We also like to have special guest speakers on the show as well. And today is no exception. We're going to go straight into our special guest speaker. Who is, Rich? Martin Underhay. Um, Martin, let me say, um, when I was refereeing, he was a colourful uh, player in, in every sense what, of the chopsy? game. Chopsy? Uh, chopsy, physical. Uh, he liked to get involved and he would um, make an announcement every time uh, you, you refereed him. And was he uh, a big, stocky player? Was he skillful player? Was he sh- sort, of, sort of short and dumpy like you? Well, we're going to have a chat with him. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have a chat with him in a minute. I, I don't want to sort of uh, make him out to be sort of what come and say he's not a pin-up. He's oh, set, right, okay. Unders is not. A, <laughs> Unders is not a pin-up. Oh. Unders is about five nine. He's on the line waiting. You know, ah. you didn't realise it. <laughs> so um, you've obviously had a bit of rapport with him over the years. Uh, yeah. when you were thoroughly refereeing. enjoyed refereeing him, uh, and we had a good rapport. He was a competitive player. Mm. Uh, I'm a competitive referee, uh, and we matched up, uh, and we matched up nicely because, like I say, we knew where the line had to be drawn. Mark knew where he where a he mu- could take it. A mutual respect. Sure, sure, and that and that happens not just with the odd player. That happens with a lot of players uh, and in this case uh, Martin uh, having had a good playing career decided he wanted to stay in the game and he became a referee and he's now a level three so um, uh, and, and a good descri- level three you've, you've described him as poacher come gamekeeper yes I do believe he is poacher come gamekeeper I, ha- I had that description thrown at me uh, but I never got to the levels that Martin played at uh, I played at uh, county league standard mm-hmm. uh, for Bridgewater Town Reserves in my, in my day that was the best that I got to uh, and now Anders has come into uh, refereeing, having played many, many clubs. I think he's had more clubs than Jack Nicholas. You know, <laughs> that's, a, that's the best way. I can Surely not. Surely that, not. That's how he comes across. But my, he's smashing chat, uh, and I, I look forward to having a chat with him. Um, and we'll do that in just a moment. But you say Poacher come gamekeeper, and if we can compare that to somebody in the Premiership, I would say Michael Oliver, because he is now at the top of his game as a referee, but he was also, before a referee, uh, a player with Newcastle United, M- Michael wasn't he? Had, Michael had time with uh, Newcastle United. Mm. I don't know to what extent, I don't think he w- he'd made it you no, know, he, all the way, but, no, but uh, he was he, at a top club. He was he was training with a top club. Some might argue with that, yeah. though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was training with a top club, yeah. and now look at Michael. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Brilliant. Player. Let's get him on. Let's speak to our guest speaker, and welcome to the Referees World Podcast from Weymouth. Martin Underhay. Hello. Hello there. How are you doing? Yeah, you very right? well. I think it's worth port- pointing out actually that um, uh, tell us where you're sat right now. I'm actually sat outside my house in a car because inside my house are the kids, and that's total carnage. So I need peace <laughs> and quiet. 
Uh, you're having quiet man time in the car talking to us on the podcast, which is great I, to hear. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that the, um, the wife is... Uh, putting the kids to bed on our own. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that time of night and what we're, uh, the, 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 that we're recording. So, Martin, uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, uh, Richard has been describing you to me as poacher come gamekeeper. We'll get onto that in just a moment. But uh, just tell us a bit about your background, what you do, and uh, your refereeing career and how it's all started for you. Well, uh, basically, you know, my background, my playing background started, um, as soon, obviously, as soon as I left school, I was involved at Torquay United and then um, I didn't get a pro contract and it was um, very disappointing. I didn't know what I was going to do. Went into um, into the non-league game quite quickly and found myself in uh, the fantastic Western League. Um, and I went through through so many good sides in the Western League. Notably, um, I started at Exmouth Town, which I really enjoyed my time at Exmouth Town. It was short, but it was very good. And then I went on to... Um, Torrington, which is probably where I enjoyed my football the most, if I'm honest. Um, there was a great set of lads up there, and I also played for Bid- I also played for Biddeford just before that, um, and Saltash United. There's a lot of clubs I could go on and on, but um, I won the Western League Championship with Taunton Town, and also um, an FA Vars quarterfinal and an FA Vars semi-final uh, before moving on to um, moving on to Weymouth. In the uh, in the Southern League, uh, well, the old Southern League, the uh, the way it was back then, which is now which probably be now the Conference South. Um, so yeah, I've played it. I've played it a really good standard. I also played for Salisbury at that standard, and um, it came to it came to me when I was sort of coming back down the ranks after three or four really good years at Weymouth um, that I um, I ended back up. I ended up back in the Western League. Um, the likes of Street, Street, Chard, and Dawlish, and oh, you um, have been around, mate, haven't you? I certainly have, and the, and the thing, and the thing is, you know, I, I'm a football lover, and it, I, I couldn't be away from the game. I, I felt mm. that, you know, I didn't want to be away from the game. Um, I felt that when I was finished at Western League level, I felt that I wasn't on the pitch. A lot of I unfinished business, as they say. I, I think so, yeah, mm. because a lot, a lot of my goals that I set myself. Once, once I got a sniff of the FA Vars, for instance, I thought, I want to play at Wembley. You mentioned then, Wembley there, Martin, very quickly. Were you part of the Taunton Town team that went to Wembley? I wasn't part of the Taunton Town. I, I, I went to Taunton Town just, just after that, but I played with, with literally all of those players. Yeah, OK. So, you know, they're a, fan, they're a fantastic side um, at the time. They were unlucky to lose their Wembley mm. final, but obviously, as you know, they went on and won the Vars um, <clears> about eight years later, so... Very good for them. So when, um, you know, you've, you've done the rounds, um, at what point did you think, right, OK, and you must have had a lot of jip, particularly at that level of football, you must have had a lot of jip from your uh, fellow playing colleagues about going to become a referee. Absolutely. I mean, the, 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 the thing that made me go into it in the first place was um, I, played for, I played for Bridport and I gave this official so much grief... <laughs> And I know who this official is now. And I gave him, and it was it was it was bad, and it was beyond. You know, it it, it it crossed the line, and I was so bad. And I decided on that drive home that night, I didn't want to be a manager. So I thought, <laughs> how am I going to carry on in the game? It wasn't um, Rich you were giving the abuse to, was it? Because I know he's refereed you. It certainly you. wasn't Rich. Me and Rich were re- we really got on actually. Me and Rich got on very, very, very well. That was never a problem. I probably ended up in Rich's book a few times, but you know. <laughs> 
Um, it was it was never a problem. But that was that was what made me think. You know, my future in the game didn't lie in um, in coaching, mm. and it didn't lie in management. So I needed a way in, and um, I was I was seeing a woman at the time, and her I remember her son had a game, and the manager rung her up and said, "Look, we haven't got a referee this afternoon." Um, would you, would you amend it? And, I, and she asked me, and I said, absolutely, absolutely I would. And I was quite excited. I thought, mm. oh, that's good. It's only under 11s. You know, and I thought, yeah, I'll have a go. And then I knew inside two minutes, that's what I wanted to do. I knew in two minutes, this is my way back onto the pitch. I was and 37 years old, 38 years old. I was going to say, how long ago was that, that you made that decision? That was, oh, it's going to be seven Eight years ago now. And now you haven't looked back and you're level three. I'm, le- I'm level three. I'm enjoying it and I'm still looking forward. I still believe I've got a lot more to give. And I, th- I still think that I can, you know, I've got enough drive to, to move forward. I still want to move forward. I'm not, I'm not happy where I am. And I think that's just me in general. I'm never happy with that. I'm always trying to get to the next level until my, and I've decided, until my body decides Martin, you can't run no more, and I'm going I'm to continue doing what I'm doing. Well, clearly really you've, you, you know, you've got a very good standard of fitness, which is great. Before I hand you over to Rich, I uh, just need to ask you, I forgot to ask you at the beginning, what position you played in the, um, uh, in the I team? Was, yeah, I was a, I was a horrible, horrible striker. Oh, right side. <laughs> but I, I, used, I, I used to let defenders have it a little bit as well. Good on you, it. good on you. <laughs> so, so, Rich, come on, you know Martin through the games that you've refereed with. Uh, what was he like as a player? We had some good times. We had many, many good times. And, and for me, um, the rapport that you have with players on the field of play is, is important because mm. you need to sort of understand the frustrations that come with it, uh, because there are, but you need to, where to draw the line. Uh, I think this and, is a very I think good... Unders understood that. You know? uh, this is a really good point for you to take over here, Rich, and, and, and start with that, Martin. So it's good to speak to you. I'll hand you over to Rich now, but clearly you two had a very good relationship and, and, and you know, that is a key element to football, particularly these days when there is so much pressure there. Mm. Uh, but, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, look at, I look at the uh, game now and the relationship, the player-referee relationship can really have a positive... If you've got a good relationship with the players, it has a positive... Uh, uh, Act, you know, positive impact on the game. It's really, really good, and players players can see that you're that you're like that, and you're trying to get a rapport with them. And they and the good players, they do they do react, and and they do realise what you're trying to do. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Mark. Um, because, uh, like I say, that's the way I like to referee. But in in a way, I don't want listeners to think that they're going to listen about the way Richard Mellon referees but I want them to listen to your experiences as, a, as I described it as a poacher now come gamekeeper because you've got a lot of lot to offer the game in terms of you know your experiences and your, and your, your energy um, as, a, as a player how would you describe yourself as a player so um, if our referees uh, are listening now and they, I know they are how would they be able to recognise your style of play what was sort of a feature of your way of playing I mean, <clears throat> I was I was very com- I was very combative. I was very very fast, but I was also very very feisty. When you're a striker and you're five foot eight inches tall, you've got to make sure that those people you're playing against know you're playing against them. Yeah. So if I was if I was a referee, I would be looking out for absolutely anything I could to to see what that little striker is trying to do to get a 
to get himself above like a six foot four inch defender who's going to come through him. And I tried absolutely everything. There was, there was, I might just um, be, be a little late on him a few times, um, or might you know if if I think something went against me. Like I said, I was feisty, so I would I would go for referees if I didn't think it was correct or something like that. So they are the players I now do completely you know try to get on top of because i know exactly yeah. what i was like i agree so the, the physicality for for yourself uh was was a, an important feature uh yeah. and you were a bit vocal as well i certainly was yes i, I do recall that <laughs> but um let mark let's, let's just um touch on how how did you make your decisions to be late what what was the variety of being late involved what did what did that mean been being late into um, a tackle. So, for instance... Um, On the floor, I, standing up, in the air? Um, I, would, I would get myself in between... When the ball's in the air and there's a six-foot-four-inch defender, I would do absolutely anything with pulling, shorts, blocking, anything to put him off getting that header in. And that's so, before the ball gets there, isn't it? The way before the ball gets there. Grabbing like, body parts, that kind of thing. Uh, well, I don't think I've grabbed a body part. If, if I did, it was I know, not, it I know somebody. I know somebody that did do that once, and that was a Middlesbrough game. I know, but that's another story. Yeah, I mean, you you, you do do when the ball's in the air and you got a six foot four inch guy, you do anything you can <laughs> to to stop him from heading the ball clearly. But um, if you've got, for instance, you're having a bit of a a tough time against a fullback, for instance. That when you're running in the channels, you know, it wasn't many as quick as me, but the ones that were, I used to, basically, if the ball used to go out for them and I used to close them down, I used to let them get there slightly, slight, I used to let them get there, make sure they could clear it and make sure I'd catch them on the follow-through. Now, that's what you have to be aware of as a referee, that little, little players or quicker players will try and get an edge and sometimes they will let them clear, clear the ball just so they can catch him. You know, so you do have to be aware that there are players out there who will play that sort of game. Martin, do you think that be, being a player at the standard that you did was a huge help to you as a referee? Um, because there are a lot of re referees that have never kicked a football in their life and they've done everything by the law. And the one that springs to mind straight away from memory, I think, was David Ellery, wasn't it? Um, yeah, he, he, he never played the game. He got to the top in his refereeing, but because he hadn't played football, some would have uh, said that perhaps he didn't see it from a footballer's brain and therefore could have let a few things go a bit more often. Yeah, I mean, I mean, David was very much um, a rule book referee. Um, and, you know, he, he, had a, he had a certain way with players, but in, in the same respect that, OK, he didn't play the game, I think sometimes the players did react, react to him um, differently than they would to say, oh, let's see other referees, Paul Durkin, for instance, who played a little bit when he was younger, and you know it wasn't they, they knew what they were getting from David Ellery. You won't be able to say this to David Ellery. You won't be able to do that because you know he won't have it, and he, and he doesn't, and he doesn't understand, and he didn't understand. But the players knew that, and I think they adjusted their game to suit. You have to know. It's very important that you have to know your referees. The top managers know their referees and they know what their what their little tra traits are. But I do think that, from my point of view, knowing the, knowing the game, actually, it certainly it does certainly help me in 
in um, in games where I I it's build it's building that rapport and then empathising with a player when things don't go quite right and you can always see when things aren't going right for a player on the pitch. You know, you can see when it, when it's not going right for them. So there are times when you can you can use that to your advantage, I think. Mm. Okay, mate. That, that's a good point there where I can come in with a question to you now. Now, I want you to uh, be the referee here. Uh, and if you've got Martin Underhay uh, running up and down on the right-hand side as a forward uh, for the team, and you know a little bit about his background, how do you put the, uh, the mark on the ground? How do you draw the line? Well, um, the players that... Actually, the players that are like myself, I... I always, find, I always find the players that like myself. The first thing I would do would be I would be quite vocal as a, I would be quite vocal as a player. I would take my I would take my men on. I would know I would know that that player is going to take him on, uh, take on a defender. And my first thought would be right. What's his going to react, reaction going to be if he doesn't get past him? And then if his, his reaction is bad when he doesn't get past him, it normally becomes vocal. So I, as a referee. What I try to do is I try to stop the vocal immediately because I know that's where the frustrations start. As soon as the frustrations start, I think it's good to get on top of it. And it doesn't mean a public admonishment or anything like that. Just have a word, get the rapport, say, look, calm yourself down. You know, I know you're getting frustrated and all this, but fella, I can't have you talking to me like this, OK? I also will deal with it. And they... I more more often than more often than not, I see the players. Um, you know, they 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 start moving forward with they with their game. And when something really good happens, I and it happens a couple of times. And I said, see, when you actually play the game, you you're looking like the best player on the pitch. I you know I might say that to them because it makes them feel better and it makes them feel more relaxed. I find that things like that, just tiny little one lines like that, they all work for me. Getting players working with you. Absolutely. I think it's absolutely critical you get players working with you, especially the further you go up. Yeah. Um, very quickly, who was the toughest fullback that you ever played against? Oh, toughest, toughest, well, I can tell you the toughest, the toughest centre-half I ever played okay, against. Okay, yeah, we'll call him a fullback as Tough, well. Yeah, toughest centre-half was um, Dave Ewings. All right. Dave Ewings, he, um, never forget a game I played against him. Um, I was actually playing for Bridgewater Tez, another team that, but I was playing for Bridgewater Town, um, and the ball came into me thirty seconds into the game, and we're talking back in nineteen, you know, ninety-eight or what it, whatever it was. So you could tackle back then and not get a card. And he came through me like you wouldn't believe, and I he just took me up in the air, and I looked back at him, and he's because I know him, he was backing off, going just laughing and going and looking at me laughing, and then I give him one back a few minutes later. But yeah. You didn't get much change out of Dave, and he would and he would be happy to mix it with you for a very very long for a very very long time. Um, one person I did I I did play against, which I really really did upset in one game, and he let me know the second time I played him. I only played against him twice. His name was Liam Daish. Oh, oh my yeah. God! Yeah, yeah I, I upset him. Yes, he's a very 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 big mountain of a man. Yeah, and um, he. Uh, I upset him one day because I, I give him a roasting. I come on a sub. I give him a roasting for 20 minutes. And then in the return fixture, I started. And he 
basically kicked me all over having to Waterlooville for 19 mm. minutes, and I didn't get a kick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I, I Love your honesty there, mate. Good on you. One. Unders, yeah, Unders do, you, do you think that um, having been a player gives uh, a little bit of freedom to fast track as a referee? Um, a player at a decent level. I mean, because the, the conversation has been had over the last however many years that ex-pro players who come out of the game should be given that uh, little bit of extra encouragement and freedom to um, come back into the game uh, and avoid grassroots level. Do you think that's uh, a viable situation? Um, from personal experience, no, I don't. I, I honestly think it was invaluable to me that I went through... OK, I was only, it was only one season at the Dorset Football, in the Dorset Football League and we're talking Division 3, Division 2. But that was a really good introduction into the game. And, OK, you know, the, the standard of the game isn't what you're used to. So, but, what, what it, but what that did do is when things happen on a football pitch that sometimes you've never seen before, when they happened, you've got to be able to, to deal with that. And I think that stood, stood me in good stead, to be perfectly honest. So I think it's good to start grassroots, at least for a, at least for a season, and start moving forward from there. I, d I don't think you should be just given um, a straight straight route into the um, the semi professional game, if you like. You know that, and I'm starting with you know. For me, I think you have to start with with um, the, the the local football first, maybe for a season, even six months. Just to just to see what can happen. It's like your apprenticeship, isn't it? Football. It's a bit like your apprenticeship. Absolutely, and 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 refereeing is a completely different mm. thing. If it, it's like it's it's the same as management. You look at one of the greatest players in this in this this country's ever produced, Brian Robson. Without question, one of the greatest players this country's ever produced. Management, I didn't really didn't really work for it. <laughs> no. So happen, yeah. do, do, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, yeah It's absolutely. two different things. It's two different things, and I do think you have got to serve your apprenticeship. And um, and then move forward like that. That's what that's what I did, and Absolutely. that's what I think you should do. And every every game is a learning curve. Martin, um, just want to ask you about something else here. Um, uh, in terms of your preparation for a game, now you're preparing every weekend for um, a level three standard as a referee. How has your preparation going into refereeing towards a game changed from when you were actually playing? I'm so much more organised. <laughs> <laughs> If if you're if you ha if you are not organised as a referee, you you will come up. Things will happen in that game, or things will just happen that just don't work for you, don't go for you. You've got to know straight. You've got to know days and days in advance. Little, have a look at who you're refereeing. Don't. I mean, it's all right to say yeah, check where they are in the league and all this that and the other. I will be looking at all sorts of all sorts of things. Uh, about those two teams, just to get a little bit of background on them. Tell us about but, some of the things that you would look for in particular. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a you know, I, I look at the um, I, I look at the match reports of all of, of all the teams, uh, for instance, that I that I referee in, um, who's who's been cautioned and what reason is is there is there a, a player that constantly dissents? Is there a player that constantly causes fouls? And maybe. You're not prejudging them, but what you're doing is you're, you're thinking, right? I need to keep an eye, keep an eye on him. I want to get him on side. Again, it, it can help your relationship with players. It's all, it's all about just organising yourself, and you, you can actually do yourself a lot of favours by doing all these little things. 
you know. And um, it's all and all the other things that you don't do as a player. I mean, as a as a player, I can tell you, I was one of these at times. Um, your kit bag would be thrown in a cupboard, okay, and then ten minutes before you leave, you would take it out of the cupboard as a player. As a referee, that doesn't happen. As a referee, your kit as a referee, bag, your kit gets washed. Your kit, your, your, <laughs> your boots get definitely clean. gets washed. Yeah, absolutely. And luckily, mine magically appears in my bag again, and I double check it. <laughs> that's the wife. <laughs> but but um, yeah, everything else. Yeah, my boots, my boots are washed. All my, all my, I'll make sure you've got to make sure you've got all your equipment. Absolutely crucial at all times. I don't, you know, check it, double check, check it. Make sure you've got everything. Then. And do it the night before. What's the point of doing it an hour before you're going? Mm. Do it the night. Do it the night before. <coughs> and get ready to go. Organize organization is everything. And and do your homework before a game. Absolutely, do your homework. Mark, Mark do you think um, having been been a player, uh, you've had to sort of um, what can I say? It's been a bit more difficult to convince the players you know what you're doing, or do you find them uh, a little bit more receptive than, than or easier than what you expected? Oh. Um... To be honest, I, I thought it was going. I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was going to be difficult. Um, but it's as as time's gone on. Um, in the early days, the players. When I go out, okay, forget forgetting the local league players. They they didn't have a clue who I was anyway. But once you got up to the Western League level and now Southern League level, there's a lot of managers and ex and 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 coaches. They all know who you are. Um, secretaries, they've all seen you before, they all know you. And in the early days, in the really early days, there would be a little bit of laughing when they saw me in, in black and they wouldn't be laughing after five minutes once their three decisions had gone against them. But, um, you know, there was, it's, there's, a, there's a level of acceptance very, very quickly for me that actually he's not, he's, he's not bad, he's had a good game there. And it, it's, as long as you don't, as long as you don't make a fool of yourself, you know, I, I found myself being accepted very, very quickly. And now where I live, obviously I've, I've played for Weymouth, I've played for Dorchester, and where, where, where mm. I am now, everybody looks at me as a referee. Mm. You know, when, the peop when the people see me or a picture of me in the paper now or a picture of me in, in an old picture in, um, yesteryear in a Weymouth kill mm. or something like that. They're like, oh, I didn't know you played. I think it's worth pointing out. Well, it's, it's worth pointing out as well in the part of the world that you live. Uh, teams like Weymouth have a massive following. You know, um, it's not unheard of to get two, three thousand people at a game, is it? No, not at all. I mean, I, I played in front of two and three thousand many times at Weymouth. Um, you, you know, you look at the FA Trophy. You look at the FA Trophy run that we had to the um, quarterfinals and. And then you, you, you play against Dorchester Town, you know, 4,000, 4, mm. you know, 4,000. Do you in, know that's bigger than some games. league games that um, uh, take place around the country, isn't it? I times? know, it, 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 is, it is absolutely amazing. And, and like when, when both teams were doing well, because we I remember we were flying at the time and Dorchester were going quite well. Um, and I was playing and the, and the now Dorchester manager, Mark Germain, it was his first season there. And there was 3,500 people in that ground that day. Great. And um, yeah, Great it was, it, it's something else. Yeah, mm. it is. It's, Mate, it's um, a big following. We've all got our own traits. We've we've all got our own ways of doing things. Um, what do's and what don'ts do you have? What Tips that you could pass on and share. What do's and what don'ts? 
don't prejudge. Don't don't try not try not to prejudge players before a game. But my do's, this is it works, but it, it does work for me. Where with dissent, with dissent, if things haven't worked with um, certain a certain player or something like that, and then another player comes in. And he might be, and you're getting a few chirps here and there, which does happen. And we all know, level five, level four, chirping all over the place. I normally pick the captain out and I'll go, and it's not, okay, it won't work for everybody. Let's get that straight. But I always say, skipper, say, next one's in the book and the one after that. I say, and then, unfortunately, I, it normally happens, I, but you have to follow it through. Yeah. I follow it through done all gone you know that's what that but that works from that sort of works for me you know um so that's 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 a big that's a big do for me um but again i've I've it's a big absolutely it's a big shout mate but if it works for you and it helps you to manage a situation then that's what you have to do isn't it I, i yeah absolutely i mean you 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 do try there's so many different things you try as a referee and if something's working for you, don't don't you know don't don't let anybody talk you out of it. If something works for you and it works for you a lot, then then use it. It's part of your armory. You need to use what you can as part of your armory at all times. What's your biggest uh, What's your biggest success then, Anders? My biggest success? in refereeing in, in refereeing and what you've done, not um, not not where you've been as regards you know what. Um, ground you've been to but you talk about what works for you what is it that works for you um well i was i would say that the amount of the amount of work that i actually put in to my training um that's you know the fact that i've done all that that's that's worked for me because you look i look at my assessments i am never ever ever caught on fitness and work rate ever so that works. That works for me. Laws of the game. Knowing all the laws of the game, and following the laws of the game through. They're not. Ju- it's not just a book you 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 you've got and you stick in your bag. You you need a little refresher every now and again. Make sure you know all the laws of the game, so nobody can pick you up pick you up on it. You know. So just make sure that nobody can um, can pick you up on any of that. And I just think that doing all these little things like knowing that refreshing yourself all the little training it gives you do have those little successes then like you know so if somebody does somebody does challenge you you can come in with an answer and you know you're right so there's a lot you know there's a lot to be said for stuff for stuff like that do you think you're well prepared then with your answers is that what you're saying Absolutely, yeah. Mm. You know, I, I, I mean, I know where you're coming from, and I know what my style was when I was out there. Uh, and this is, we can't teach character and personality, but that's yeah. what we're looking for in refereeing, and what players look for in a referee. Has he got character and personality? Is he approach? Really. Yeah. Is he approachable? Does he communicate? Is he receptive uh, to um, exchange, or is he rigidly running by the book? Or you know? she? Or she? Uh, yeah. Sorry, girls. Uh, yeah. Listening. Yeah, I mean, for me, my personality—that doesn't, like you say—that's a success for me. And I would say to any any referee, you have to have personality. You have to use your personality because players want that. If if you're refereeing for me, I think if you're refereeing by a rule book, you're going to open yourself up to a few problems because the 
because you know they do do everything like that. It doesn't resonate with players. It certainly doesn't re- resonate with managers and secretaries of football clubs. But if you you need a person, I believe you need a personality, mm. and you need to stamp your a personality on that game whilst being authoritative. And, and personality includes smiling, doesn't it? Absolutely, I, I smile all the time. Smile, have a laugh and a joke with the players mm. when 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 you can, because you get you get them on side. You know, and and you and it's like I said earlier on. You need to get get a good rapport, and you need to get players on side. And having a little joke with them every now and again, what's there's no problem with that. No, I agree. Absolutely, I, agree I think it, I think it shows. I think it shows good. It's a good thing that shows humility. I think definitely. Okay, uh, Martin. A couple of things before we finish up. Um, first thing is, if you could give one tip, okay, to uh, a new referee that's just come on the scene, what would that tip be? One tip to a new referee. Okay. Um, right, get out training in the winter hard. Um, learn, learn your laws of the game, and don't be don't be frightened, and always look confident during a game of football. Confidence is everything. Sell everything with confidence. So be confident in everything that you do. That's my tip. Always be confident. Something Rich has said many times is sell your decisions and puff your chest out, be strong, um, stand one up. So, well, listen, uh, it's been great talking to you. I'm going to throw you on the spot before we go. Um, And uh, we like to do this every now and again. And you sound like the sort of character, I don't know you, um, like, you know, Rich, but you sound like the sort of character that could come up with some kind of match incident off the top of your tongue. So I'm going to throw that one at you. Uh, Either a refereeing one or a football one. We'd prefer a refereeing one, obviously, but uh, obviously we've throwing you in the deep end here. Right, you want, an, you want an incident. A match incident. Did you enjoy it? Did you not enjoy it? But something that the listeners will... Perhaps learn from. Learn from and, in, and uh, perhaps smile and enjoy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right, OK. Um, yes. Uh, right, OK. An incident, an incident is coming to mind. Um, it's, from this, it's from this season. Um, and we have an... First of all, first of all, the incident is a attacking player going in against going in against the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper wins the ball, and then he has a little kick out at the goalkeeper. It's not the nicest kick out. It is it is a yellow card. He's tried to trip him and kick his kick his legs. It is a second yellow. Okay, so I've given the red card. Um, he has to travel the length of the pitch. Behind, uh, behind the far goal to the changing room, which took three minutes, which I waited for him for before starting the, before I was going to start the game. Whilst that was happening, the technical area were going mad, absolutely mad, and I warned them of their of their conduct. And bear in mind, the start the game, and then the game restarted, and straight away my assistant referee who's somebody we all know okay had a had a gave a throw and it was a throw there was no problem and received some pretty not very nice abuse from the same people in the technical area so obviously i was called across i had an, I had an inkling of what was said and it was confirmed to me i walked over checked my um, white card, which I had in my back pocket, which I always put the technical 
area is a little tip. Put the technical area um, occupants on a white card and star the ones who are named as substitute. That's a new one on me, Anders. I've, yeah. never, I've never come across that before. Yeah, I do. I put, I put them all on a white card. So I pulled my white card out of my back pocket with all the technical area occupants are. The guy I was removing, I said, what's your name? He told me his name. And he was, in fact, the assistant manager, but also a name substitute. Red card, off you go. So that was, that was So I had that sort of incident this season. So for me, that's just another little tip. It's just something I've sort of started doing this season is putting the technical area occupants on a little white card in my back pocket. And, just, and it worked for me that day. I knew I, I had his name and I realised he was also a name substitute. Mm. Did, so did you that, find out he was a name substitute because he was in your book as a name substitute and you had the white card as well to confirm? Is that what it is? I, um, it would have been on the assistant's card. I, oh. okay. I don't write the substitutes down. I leave that with my assistant. Okay. But then the technical area occupants that are name substitutes, I star them. Okay. And then yeah. when I looked at the, the name he gave me and I saw a star beside it, I pulled my red card out. Okay. I, I just wanted to clarify that for the listeners. Yeah. Excellent. No problem. So that that was that was an that was an incident that happened this year with with somebody with like I'm saying assistant referee. We all we all know. So you know, <laughs> thanks, it thanks for annoying. sharing that and yeah. thanks for not naming the person. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say good no, work. I, I won't. I, I was wearing. Yeah, I don't want to get in trouble. No, don't name him. <laughs> Don't name it. Hey, listen, Martin, um, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you um, on this particular episode, and thanks very much for sharing your experiences. Hopefully people listening to this um, uh, are going to pick up on some of your tips and your advice, particularly that one at the end. I've never even heard of the no. white card one, and I think that's genius. Mm. That's a really good one. I think, I think we'll follow that around a little bit here. Yeah. There'll um, be one or two people asking questions. And Martin, uh, like I say, if there's uh, any other opportunity for you to come on and talk to us at any point, then please feel free to get in touch with us. Yeah, no problem at all. Would love to. Anders, great conversation. Thanks, mate. Yeah, thanks ever so much for having me on. No problem. That was Martin Underhay, who's level three referee, sat in his car outside his house talking on the Referees World podcast. This is Referees World. Listen online at refereesworld.co.uk or search iTunes for Referees World.